So uh, we're going to continue our series 2020. I know it's 2019, guys, and we're celebrating a brand new year, but we are going to continue our series called 2020. Uh, it's a creative way of framing up this simple question. Who will you be one year from today? Could I ask you that question this morning? Who will you be one year from today? What has God spoken to you about? How has God put hope in your heart for everything, not that you're going to do this year, but everything that Jesus is going to do in your life this year? I don't know about you, but my heart feels this morning like it's bursting at the seams with expectation about how God's going to show up and do marvelous things in our lives this year. Marvelous, wonderful things in our church this year. How about you guys? How many of you guys are at worship night? I'm still toasted. You know, it's like I just got so wrecked at worship night. And if you don't know what that means, it was just abandoned, you know, to God. Just God touched my heart and filled me up. And I'm just so thankful for worship night. How about you guys? We're going to do another one. And another one. Shout out DJ Khaled. Um, and another one. We're going to do so many worship nights, you guys. Next, next month. So it's the first. Go ahead and put it in your calendar. It's the first Monday of every month we do a worship night. And in February, it's going to look a little bit different. And so we want to invite you out to it. Go ahead and get your expectation primed now. We're actually going to start at 4 p.m. And it's completely optional. You can, you can kind of come, come as, you, as you want, okay? So you don't have to feel pressure to show up at four. We're just going to start a prayer room set at four. And it's going to go for an hour and a half. And then, you know, if you just want to hang out, we're going to have a, you know open door for an hour. And then we'll officially start worship night at 630. But what we're trying to do is just we want to prime this space with the presence of God. And we want to have a deep well to drink from every single Sunday as you guys enter in that you're just feeling like, man, this place is just overflowing with the goodness and the glory of God. That intimacy is just easy. That despite what your week has been like, you just come in and you connect with the Lord so easily because you're just in a place of God's presence. And that's what we want for everybody. You guys into that? I like that. I just want you to get bombarded by peace when you step in the door. I want you to step in the door and just depression to fall off. You know, I, I was praying this morning. I said, God, make us a divorce-free zone. I'm so sick of hearing about people get divorced. I was reading the Jeff Bezos uh, article. Did you guys see that? He and his wife are getting divorced. I said, God, make us a, a divorce-free zone, like that everybody would walk into this place and be connected. And I, I was praying that this morning. I have no idea why I'm getting emotional about it. I was just like, God, connect us. Make us the greatest lovers that the world has ever seen, Lord. Let us fall deeper in love with our wives and our husbands. And just be a sign and a wonder to this generation with how connected we are. In Jesus' name. You know, I met this super rich guy on the plane. Uh, I was going to Hawaii, and he told me he had FU money. So I don't, I don't know if you've ever heard of that before, but that, that means a lot. So, and he, he was telling me about all these things he had invented and how he owns, like, all these restaurants, and he owns all these companies in Japan and stuff. And, uh, and I asked him, I said, hey, how's your marriage? You know, you've achieved all this success. Like, how's your marriage? He was like, oh, it's terrible. And I said, I'm sorry to hear that. I said, you know how my marriage is? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's amazing. 
Like, I'm super connected with my wife. <laughs> and he was like, okay. You know, he was kind of like, okay. And he was like, you're a kid. You know, that's basically how he looked at me in response. And, uh, and I said, how long have you been married? He said, 30 years. I said, what if we met in 30 years? And I told you my marriage was amazing and it was thriving and I was connected with my wife. And he said, I call you a liar. And I said, well, then we'll have to hang out then 30 years from now. Maybe we can coordinate another flight. First class in Jesus' name. Pray for that upgrade. Because I got my upgrade. So we were having this conversation over ice cream. Man, it's so much nicer in first class, y'all. Like, they give you real silverware. It's so weird. And you immediately get so bougie when you get upgraded. Like, you act like you paid for it. Like, that's right. You know. I'm putting on the socks they get, you know. It's like, I already got good socks, but it's just, just because. You know, so that's why I'm just, I was praying that early this morning. It touched my heart and I was just praying over your marriages. I just want you to know that if you're married in here this morning, your covenant has been blessed. In Jesus' name. Okay, that has nothing to do with this message. But my wife and I, we're going to spend the week together. Uh, we're going to Disney World today with the kids. And then on Thursday, we fly back to Nashville to fly to Vacaville, California, where we're going to be preaching with uh, Heidi Baker and Will Hart at a Live to Love conference, uh, Iris Global conference. So um, super. We'll be back on Sunday. That's right. We can't be away from y'all. Are you, are you kidding me? We're too obsessed with you guys. You just bring us so much life and so much joy. We don't want to be away from you guys, ever, ever, ever. So um, we're going to turn to an interesting uh, passage of Scripture. You probably won't be ready to hear the announcement of where we're going, but we're going to Habakkuk. Wow, when's the last time you went to Habakkuk? Some of you guys never knew how to pronounce that till today. For all I know, I'm pronouncing it wrong, but... That's the way I was taught. My pastor called it Habakkuk, so that's what we're going to call it this morning. Habakkuk chapter 2, this was actually how I was trained to hear the voice of the Lord uh, through this passage of Scripture. But I'm not going to talk about hearing God's voice today. I'm going to talk about getting strategic about the vision that God has given you for 2019 today. As we prayed through um, January, my wife and I were sitting talking and And we were asking God, what do you want to say every single week? And the first week we said, if you're going to be a person of vision, 2020 vision, you're going to have to be a person of prayer. And then the second second week we said, if you're going to be a person of 2020 vision, you're going to have to be a person of strategy. So that was the heartbeat behind the message today. So are you in Habakkuk too? If you don't know where that is, use your app not an easy one to find because it's a small book, but we'll have it on the screen as well. Habakkuk 2 verses 1 through 3. I'm going to read um, the Berean Study Bible. How many of you guys like that Bible? You like it? It's a great Bible, the BSB. Check it out sometimes. Uh, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the ramparts. The ramparts is a place of security. Everybody say prayer. That's what it means to stand. That's what it means to be stationed. It's to position yourself in a place of prayer because a place of prayer is a place of protection. I thought I'd get more amens on that, but I will watch. Everybody say pray. To see what he will say. No, that's good. I like that. You Front row's ready. 
I will watch to see what he will say to me and how I will answer my reproof. You know that some people say, when I'm just waiting on God. You know what it means to wait on God? It doesn't mean to wait on God to show up. How many of you guys know God's already with you? It means to wait with him for him to speak. So we just sit in his presence until he talks about what he wants to talk about. So when we get to the end of ourselves and we're done asking for all the things we could ask for, and then it just becomes, God, what do you want to say? How do you want to address us, right? How I will answer my reproof. Then, a segue. Then the Lord answered me, and this is what he said about your 2020 vision. This is what he said about what you're planning, what you're preparing for, the goals that you have for 2019. He said, write down the vision and clearly inscribe it on the tablets so that a herald may run with it. For the vision awaits an appointed time. It testifies of its end and will not lie. Though it lingers, wait for it, since it will surely come and not delay. Man, this is the word of the Lord. Come on. So today, I'm, I, the title I have for the message today is Clouds and Dirt. Clouds and Dirt. I know it's a little creative. You'll get it in just a second. We'll get there. So Lord, we just ask that you bless the message today. Ask that you bless me as a vessel, Lord. Pour through me today and speak to your children, to your people, God. I ask that every heart in here be opened up wide, every spirit be transformed. I ask that we would leave this place renewed in every way, shape, and form. God, make us a light to this city. Make us a light to our families. We bless our time together in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. So obviously, this, this title is a little bit strange, probably seems somewhat weird, clouds and dirt. But when I think about clouds, I think about the lofty places, right? When I think about clouds, I think about cloud nine. When I think about clouds, I think about dreams, Right? When I think about clouds, I think about visions. How many of you guys, when you were a kid, somebody told you, you have a wild imagination? Right? right? Or how about this? Man, you sure are a dreamer. You, you, maybe you should plan more realistically. You ever hear that when you were a kid? Right? And uh, I, I, I grew up with some really awesome parents. Some of you guys have met my parents. And one of the things that my dad used to tell me all the time, I don't know why he chose this moment, but when he was putting my pants on me, and I know it's a little strange, but he, he would look at me and he would say, you can do anything that you put your mind to do. And then as he was putting my pants on me, he'd say, every man puts their pants on one leg at a time. You know, so he would tell me, hey, just don't, don't look at other people thinking you cannot accomplish what they can accomplish. They're human beings. You can accomplish anything you put your mind to. Anybody else, did you hear that from your parents? I heard that all the time. I found a news article this week in Psychology Today that said that's actually a bad idea. (laughs) That you shouldn't tell your kids that they can do anything that they want to do. I thought, okay, that's interesting. Why? So I read through the article and it said that telling kids that they can do anything, you guys got to get this, creates the vision without the roadmap. Telling kids that they can do anything creates the vision without the roadmap. It implies that they should set a lofty goal, but it gives no information about how to achieve it. If you're going to be a person of 2020 vision, you've got to have strategy. 
Now, I know there's a lot of people in here, you're probably like me, uh, that you are big dreamers. You're, you're visionaries. And if you are like me, then um, I just dream incessantly. It could be about anything. It could be irrelevant. I could be driving down the street and see a place of business and start dreaming about what that business could be like. <laughs> If they get their act together. You know what I mean? It's like just things like that, just anything. Or I go into a restaurant, maybe the service is lacking here. And I think, you know what would be awesome? They could streamline this thing. And I don't know why I do that. I just do it. And it's incessant for me and I'm dreaming all the time. But one of the things I realized through the study of this message and thinking through it is that it's very rare that I consider the plans for the implementation. It's very rare that I start thinking strategically about how I'm gonna get from where I'm dreaming about to actually living in that envisioned future. Does anybody else in here struggle with this? I can guarantee you that a large percentage of us do because when I moved to Nashville, God spoke to me and said, this is a city of dreamers. There's so many people that move here. And I'm like you. I'm one of you. On any given day, I dream about how to build the best church ever. Seriously. How to become the next Billy Graham, but dressed like Johnny Depp. <laughs> How to retire with 10 million and drive a black on black Tesla. Everybody's <laughs> like, really? No, it's, I'm dead serious. I really think about that. My brother rented one yesterday. He was sending me pictures of it, and I was so jealous. Uh, as a kid, I was a dreamer. I wanted to play in the NBA. You guys can tell I had the hype for that. As a missionary, uh, which I was for five years, I wanted to feed 100,000 kids every day, and I still want to feed 100,000 kids every day. And now as a pastor, I would love to see God build through us a modern-day Antioch. And if you don't know what an Antioch is, Antioch is a city in the Bible where they were first called Christians. They were considered to be followers of the way. They were the people who lived such a Jesus-y life that they actually became the hub for global missions. They were a place of innovation and creativity within the body of believers, but they just sent out missionaries. They were a landing strip and a launching pad for global missions. And so oftentimes I dream about that. I'm like, God, make us like a modern Antioch. And uh, when I think about like a landing strip and a launching pad for, for missions and for, for care and for training and all that, I cannot get this one building out of my head in Nashville, and it's uh, the Stadium Inn. Do you, guys, do you guys know what the Stadium Inn is? Yeah, it's literally the worst. Go on TripAdvisor after this message, read all the one-star reviews. People have literally been like murdered in. It's a crazy hotel, okay? It's not a good place. It's like pay by the hour, cash only. It's super dirty. It's right downtown. And every time I pass by, I do a drive-by blessing. I'm like, in the name of Jesus. Because to me, I'm like, I just claim it for the kingdom. I'm like, that right there should be like a development center. That could be a school. Like, I just start thinking about all the stuff it could be. Well, um, one of the people in my life that really, really helped me to get out of that place of just dreaming and actually creating plans is my pastor, my pastor, Banning Liebscher. And so one day he was in the car with me and we were driving past Stadium Inn and I was like, <laughs> you know, I was like, see that spot right there? He's like, yep. And I was like, that right there, we're going to own that one day in Jesus' name. And that's going to be a landing strip and a launching pad for global missions. There's going to be a school there. And we're going to rehabilitate people. And we're going to take in women that need help. And we're going to, you know, it's like, I'm just like telling him all that. He was like, uh-huh. And then he just switched the topic on me. And I'm thinking, why did you not celebrate that dream? Did you, you obviously didn't hear how awesome that was. You know, so I went back and I started talking about it again. 
and he dismissed me again. And I, I thought, what? He's trying to make a point because that's just the way God works through your pastors. Like they're, they're being weird with you, but it's actually all prophetic. You know what I'm saying? And so I was like, hey, did you hear about what I said about the hotel? He was like, yeah, that's great. Big dreams don't impress me. That's, that's what he said, honestly. He was like, that's great. Anybody can have a dream. Anybody can have a vision. How are you going to get it done? That's what I want to hear about. And I was like, I don't know. I, didn't, I never thought about getting it done. I just thought about like dreaming was the work. And for so many people, it's like dreaming is the work. And because they have a dream, they feel that that entitles them, right, to be celebrated and cherished and to be successful and to achieve everything that they have envisioned to do for 2019. But can I tell you, saints, it's going to take more than a dream. It's going to take more than some lofty ideas. It's going to take more than you saying, I want to do this. It's going to require some strategy that comes from heaven on how to actually inherit that promised land. And so I, I felt like I got called out. And I was like, okay, that's good. And he was like, how much does it cost? I said, I don't know. I've told other people about this that like, you know, they're wise in the way that they plan. And they've asked me the same question. How much does it cost? I never thought to even ask that question. Like, don't you think you ought to figure out how much it costs so then you can buy it? I was like, oh yeah, I guess. You know, I mean, that's just how many dreamers I got in here. And this is sounding familiar to you guys. You have a new dream every day. But, you know, we can't just live in the clouds. You know, we can't just live in the why. Why should we do something? Well, I have a good list of why we should do something. You know, there's a big difference in good leaders that can share the why and really great leaders that can talk about the what. Because, you know, I think good leaders that can talk about the why, the why lives in the realm of the imaginary, right? It's the, it's the emotional element. Like, I can tell you why we should go rescue kids, and everybody will start crying, and we'll watch a video, and it'll be emotional, and everybody will get excited and rush to the front, you know? But until I give you the what, until I roll out the blueprints, until I pass you a hammer and say, your spot is right there in that corner, build that part of this project, we don't actually get anything done. Are you guys learning anything so far? Yes. Take, take some notes, okay? So being a dreamer does not make you a doer. Right? Being a dreamer does not make you a doer. Actually doing something. It's actually easier to get a doer dreaming than it is to get a dreamer doing. You know what I'm saying? Did you guys get that? It's actually easier... To get a doer dreaming than it is to get a dreamer doing. Right? Some of you guys are like, ouch, man. That's why you're not saying anything. But here's the here, truth is, it's good to have your head in the clouds. It's good to be a visionary. It's good to dream and dream big. For those of you guys who do this naturally, don't take it for granted. I'm, I'm not harping on you. Don't take it for granted. There's a whole lot of people out there who need you to dream on their behalf because their, their dreams are dead. They've buried it. They've stuffed it. They're done with it. They've thrown in the towel. They've surrendered. They've given up. But dream and dream big. You've got to have a big dream and have your head in the clouds, but you also have to have your feet in the dirt. You have to be anchored to reality. You have to have an action plan. You've got to be a practitioner. You've got to be strategic. Dreams with no action plans are fantasies. Visions with no action plans are just fantasies. You know, let me give you a few differences between dreams and action plans. Let me give you a few differences between clouds and dirt. Dreams or visions, they're easy and they're free. 
They don't cost you anything. There are no cost to dreams or to visions. But then on the other hand, actions will cost you something. To be anchored in reality will cost you something. I can promise you that this is true because we're renovating a house right now. (laughs) Dreams are free. Do you know how many times we've Joanna Gaines our new house? Man, we've come in there, this room, move that right there. We'll put a fireplace in right there. We got this, moving that wall. Man, I'm gonna have a slide to my bed. You know, it's like, you, you, it's like, you have all these dreams, right? You know, it's like, I'm gonna have a sauna in the shower. You know, it's gonna be the master bathroom of the Waldorf. You know, it's like, you start pulling out, you put your Pinterest boards together. So you guys are laughing because this is too familiar. But see, look, dreams, they don't cost anything. Free. And so when you actually put the action steps in place, when you actually set a goal and mark a date on the calendar, you say, I'm gonna have to build that shower by this time. Here's my budget. Am I helping you guys at all? Maybe this is a message for millennials. I don't know, you know. It's, it's, I'm, I'm not cracking on us. You know, I'm a millennial, but I'm just saying, like, dreams inspire, but it's actions that change lives. It's not enough to talk about a thing. You have to take it into action. You have to do something. Don't just post about it on social media. Actually do something about it. Don't just tweet out a complaint. Actually get in the game and do something about what you say you're passionate about. Dreams are imaginary, whereas actions are practical. Dreams don't have deadlines. Dreams, they produce more dreams, but what actions produce are results. You get results. Dreams stretch your creativity, but actions stretch you. Dreams will stretch your creativity, but your actions will stretch you. It's good to sit down, have a whiteboard session, you know, create a mood board, you know, clip things out from magazines. Whatever you decide to do that inspires you, that's great, but you've got to partner it with an action plan so that you can actually be stretched and grow enough to hold the accomplishment of all those things that you're dreaming about. Guess with me? And here's the thing about God. God is actually really strategic. Do you guys believe that? I know sometimes people think that God is just really like, you know, flippant, you know, just kind of he just moves and does what he wants when he wants. But how many of you guys know that God actually is extremely strategic? The way that the human body works, the way that the planet works, the way that God does things throughout Scripture through Jesus is actually quite strategic. Remember when Jesus was going to feed the 5,000 with just a long John Silver's kid's meal? Like, he actually had people sit down in groups of 50. Here's a group of 100. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, God is actually quite organized. Right? I'm not getting too many amens on that. That's convicting to us. Yeah. How many of you guys have been watching that Netflix show, Marie Kondo, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up or whatever? Yeah, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. We were moving yesterday, and I was doing some of the stuff. I was, like, grabbing things I didn't like anymore. I was like, I'm grateful for you. I'm free, you know? <laughs> yeah. In the dumpster. I was in the dumpster. You've served me well. But God is actually quite strategic. And looking back at Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 1, let's read a little bit about how, you know, God dreams through us and how we dream. Number, uh, verse 1, I will stand at my guard post and station myself on the ramparts. I will watch to see what he will say to me and how I will answer my reproof. 
Now, as I mentioned when we read this initially, this looks like standing and being stationed in a place of God's presence with your heart postured in prayer to receive from God. This is where God-sized dreams and visions come from. They come from God. You cannot get a God-sized dream looking to other people. Other people can inspire you. Other people can motivate you. Other people can give you some replicable actions on your path to success. But a God-sized vision and a God-sized dream only comes from God himself. You get it from prayer. You get it from scripture. You get it from prophetic words. You get it from God. And that's how you know it's a God-sized dream when it starts to look so much bigger than you. When you're thinking, man, I could never accomplish that. You're on, you're on the right path. Come on. Come on. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, right? Yeah. God wants to do exceedingly and abundantly above anything you could ask, think, or imagine, yeah. right? Yeah. So God-sized dreams are so much bigger than us. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 1, stay stable in this place of prayer and ask big, dream big, think bigger, get in the clouds with God. A small vision is nothing more than the result of small prayers. A small dream is nothing more than the result, the byproduct of praying small, asking small, you know, shrinking back. Like, go after God and ask for the big things. When you ask for the big things, it's not that you're being a bad kid. It's that you're installing faith in your good father to say, I believe that you have it. You know, if my kid comes to me and asks me for something, he has faith in his heart that that thing is in my pocket. If he comes and says, hey, I need a buck. He knows I got a dollar. You see what I'm saying? When we go to God and we ask him for things, what we're doing is we're confessing the faith that he has it. You know what I mean? You don't get asked for things that people don't believe that you already got. And so when we say, God, I believe that you have this. I believe that you can provide this. I believe that you can give this, which is why I'm asking so big, because I know you've got it. And then some, right? So a small vision is the result of small prayers. Now, God doesn't just give us dreams and give us visions and then disappear. Like, okay, there you go. Dropped it off, you know. Boom, I'm out. Deal with it yourself, right? When God gives a vision, God gives a strategy. If we will listen to God, if we'll stay in that place, anchored at our guard post, if we'll stay stationed in that place of our security, to stay with the Lord a little bit longer. Because a lot of times when we get vision, when we get dreams, it doesn't always come at the exact same moment as strategies and action steps. Sometimes we get this big, huge vision in church or at a worship night or at an event or maybe in a moment in prayer at our house. We get this big dream. We get this big idea, but we got to stay in that place. We got to stay, go back to that place of the presence. Stay in that place of prayer. Spend the 21 days of devotion fasting and praying and waiting on God to give you not just another dream, but to give you action plans, action steps on how to accomplish that dream. Does that make sense to you guys? Because God has a way of doing things. God has a certain way. I think even Kristen alluded to this in the, in the offerings. It's not just about, you know, God's hand of blessing. It's about God's ways. It's about God's face. It's about how he thinks higher than us. Right? Even uh, King David confessed this in Psalm 25, verse 4, when he said, Make me to know your ways, O Lord, and teach me your paths. 
He, he, he had a vision to rule and reign the kingdom uh, through Israel, but he needed to know how God wanted to, to make it happen, not just what God wanted to do. Right? Because right? that's important. The two don't always come together all at once. Just because you have a vision, just because you have a dream, just because you, you talk about your dreams publicly, it doesn't mean that you have a strategy. And that's why Habakkuk said, stand, station yourself. Don't go anywhere without a strategy. Don't start anything without a strategy. Sit down with the Lord, get some action steps in place. And this is why we're doing the whole 21 days of devotion. We're consecrating ourselves. We're not separating ourselves from anything. We're actually partnering ourselves with someone. We're fasting, we're praying, we're connecting, we're stationing, we're standing in this place of prayer and we're asking God, teach us your ways. We want to know what we're supposed to do. You've given us a God-sized dream. We want to see Nashville saved. We want to see amazing things happen through our lives and our ministries. But God, how? God will reveal these things to us. And then it'll be time for us to step up, get our hands dirty, and do the work. Somebody say, do the work. work. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 says, write the vision and make it plain. If you're taking notes, uh, if you want to know how to get dirty and do the work, you can take these notes, all right? Number one is, write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. Verse two, then the Lord answered me, write down this vision and clearly inscribe it on tablets, which I think is the ancient equivalent of a five star, so that a herald may run with it, a trapper keeper. If you've received a vision from God, anybody remember what the definition of vision was from last week? A vision is a God-given picture of the future. If you've received from the Lord a God-given picture of the future, can I tell you point one, first step, get it out of your heart and onto paper. Write it down. Is this too practical this morning for you guys? Write it down. Commit it to paper, okay? Inc. Magazine says that you're 42% more likely to achieve your goals if you do this one simple thing. Write them down. That's a massive step, 42%. Write them down, put them on your fridge, put them on your mirror where you brush your teeth in the morning, pray over them. 42% more likely, I think that's a big step. Hey, but look, make it plain, make it plain. It doesn't need to be an entire journal entry because you can't read an entire journal entry while jogging. You know what I'm saying? It says, write the vision and make it plain so that a herald can read it on the run. You can't read a full journal entry on the run, right? It's got to be a post-it note. It's got to be on the fridge. It's got to be easy to remember. It's got to be easy to recite. You have to know what you're living for. Is this helping you guys at all? You know, I read this story in World War II that if you were to approach like... um, um, Uh, you know, an encampment of soldiers, if you were not able to recite your mission at gunpoint, they'd shoot you. Like it was that important. They said, what's your mission? And you had about five seconds. You had to share the mission. It had to be clear. It had to be simple. It had to be direct or else you got shot. What if we treated our mission, the mission that God has given us and put upon our lives with the same degree of severity Because we read it last week, Proverbs 28 and 19, without a vision, the people perish. Now, it's not the exact same thing, 
but spiritually it is because you won't leave a legacy without discerning the mission that God has you on and then putting practical, strategic action steps in place to fulfill it with the Holy Spirit. Make it plain. Hey, look, if it's not simple, well, can I say it like this? Can I give you like a little Kentucky slogan here? If it ain't simple, it ain't happening. Truly, if it's not simple, it ain't happening. And here's the thing. Is your dream happening? No? Okay, it's not simple enough. If it's so, if it's so diverse, if it's so everywhere, if you've got a, you know, a new, new paper every day, like just go all in on that one thing this year. I've heard that so many times this year, so many conversations I've had. Just go all in on that one thing. Just go, I mean, so many people in my life, friends, mentors, pastors, leaders, people, are t- just go all in on that one thing, man. Just go all in on that. You know, sometimes you got to do the thing you think you want to do to find out you don't actually want to do that. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you just need to do that. Sometimes we're just one good mistake away from a breakthrough. You know, like I really thought from the time I was saved that all I wanted to do was travel and preach. I was like, man, that just looks like the life right there. Look at those guys. Just traveling, preaching it up. You know, it's like a hired gun. You know, just come in. Boom, blow it up. It's awesome. Then you leave it there and the pastor has to clean up any mess you make. I was like, that would be awesome. I want to do that. You know, and I had the opportunity to travel more, probably at least to travel to preach in other churches more in the last like six months, and I, and I did a lot, I, I, I accepted a lot of the invitations, but you know what I learned through doing that? I don't actually want to do that. <laughs> and it was awesome. I like doing it every now and then with people I love and an invite that I feel like the Lord's on. I'm open to it. But guys, honestly, I want to be with you. And I want to be here on Sunday. I want to see God and the kingdom come in the city of Nashville. Like this is the assignment. Just make it simple. Just go all in on it. You say, man, I'm going I'm to have a dogged, like, tenacity about the one thing that I know that God has spoken to me about, and I'm going to go for it. How many of you guys have heard that Confucius quote? It says, the man who chases two rabbits catches neither. That's good, isn't it? I like that. That's cool. Okay, here's point two, and I'm just going to sneak this in, all right? Here's point two, but I think it's really important, okay? Just write it down. It takes a team. It takes a team. There's no vision that God will give you, no God-sized vision that you have received that you can achieve all by yourself, all by yourself, because family has always been God's prescribed method for world change. Think about it. When, When God created our first parents, Adam and Eve, he said, be fruitful, have intimacy, right? Be fruitful and multiply, take dominion and subdue the earth. Right? He said, look, I, w- I want you to change the world. Right? I want you to fill the whole earth with the glory of God, with the kingdom. I want you to advance it. I want you to smash the head of the serpent. Right? I want you to go forth and change the world. But here's how I want you to do it. I want you to do it in the context of relationship. I want you to do it in the context of intimacy. Un- you'll have intimacy unto fruitfulness. As you have family and you have connection, you'll have change and transformation. You guys like that? And this is why it has to be plain and simple and direct as well because there's no way you can build a team on momentary passions. If you change your direction each and every time you get some goosebumps, you're not going to be able to build a powerful team that way. (laughs) How many of you guys know that achieving a God-sized dream happens more as the result of consistency and less as the result of charisma? (laughs) 
All the charismatic people in here are like, God, man, I'm getting lit up today. That's me too. I'm with you. I'm with you, okay? Be consistent. If you have a team, you got a team, you got to have a strategy. You got to know what you're building so that you know what to ask people to do. Put the right people around you this year. Can I tell you, cut, can I give you permission to just cut away the dead weight? And I'm not being dishonorable to people, but don't spend all of your time with people who try to talk you out of your God dream. Because you feel obligated because you're a Christian. Well, I got to hang out with them and I got to be kind to them. I got to be nice to them because I'm a Christian. But every time I hang out with them, they just try to talk me out of my God dreams. I used to hang out with people who hated church. I realized, you know what? I got to let them go. Because if every time I hang out with them, they just tell me why what I'm building is wrong. I'm like, but that goes against the grain of everything God's speaking to me. I love you. I bless you. I'll orbit next to you in another season. Don't hang out with people who try to talk you out of your dreams. Let them go. Say, hey, man, God bless you. You do your thing. Go for it. And on another note, if you're in a process right now of building a team, don't get frustrated because your team is imperfect. If God did not give Jesus a perfect team, what makes you think he's going to give you one? And you see what I'm saying? He said, look, I'm going to put people around you so that you can pour into their life and develop them and grow them. And they can become somebody by following you as you follow me. And pray for them and protect them because maybe, you know, they didn't realize what they were signing up for when they said yes to rolling with you. You know, like be there for them, help them to grow. Everybody laughed in here. It's like, yeah, I get it. Okay. Figure that out when I join this church, you know. Here's point three, last point. Delay does not mean denial. Delay does not mean denial. Verse three said, for the vision awaits an appointed time. It testifies of the end and it will not lie. Though it lingers, wait for it since it will surely come and not delay. Listen, when it comes to God dreams and God visions, those things get accomplished on God's time. Not yours. If you can accomplish it in your own strength, then it guarantees that it can come from God. It it happens at a God time. Galatians 4 and 4 said, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman and under the law. All of creation was awaiting the coming of the Messiah, Jesus, the son of God. But Jesus did not come until God's given and specific time frame. Despite the great need, there was still a timing that was set. Despite the great need, there was still a timing that was set. God is not obligated to your timeline. If you are offended at God because he didn't respond to your blessing and your promise and your vision that he gave you on your time frame, can you repent today and just let God go? Because he gave you the vision in the first place. It's his vision, and therefore it will function on his timing. He's not a man that he should lie. If he gives you a vision, it'll come with the promise. If he gives you a dream, there's a backpack attached full of grace to accomplish it. But it's all going to happen on his timing as we are patient and we do the work. If you're in here today and you're waiting patiently on a God dream, and you're asking yourself, okay, well, that, I'm going to wait patiently, but how? How do I wait patiently on a God dream? How do I wait patiently? Well, it's, it's back to verse 1. Stand at the rampart. Stand in that secure place. Stand in the presence. Stand in a place of prayer. Just because it's not happening on your time, don't tweak the route. How many of you guys have ever been driving in a city? We just we were in LA last month, you know, and it was like we were on Apple Maps. 
And if you've ever driven in L.A., I, that's like, my man, it's like the outer ring of hell. It's like, I, I'm like, God bless the people who live here. You know what I mean? It's just frustrating. I need the Holy Ghost driving in L.A. And, you know, it's like you get, you get out, like, your Apple Maps, and then you're like, switch, and you're like, Waze. I got to get on Waze. You know what I mean? She's like, it's taking forever. You guys, you guys have done this, right? It's got to be fast. Then you get caught in another traffic jam. And then you think to yourself, I just should have never touched it. Well, yeah, Allison. Allison is very, she's an S on the disc. She's steadfast and true. That's why I need her. You guys ever done that before? You're like, man, I'm going to get a new route tired of sitting in this traffic. Traffic getting on my nerves. Get the app out, do a new route. Well, how many of us have done that with our God dreams and our purpose? Where it's taking too long and you feel like you're being backed up in traffic, waiting on other people to get to where you want to go. And you say, man, I'm changing the plan. I'm going to tweet. I'm going to start my own detour. I'm going to cut through this way and that way, and there'll be a shortcut, and then I'll beat all those people there. And then at the end, you end up taking longer. Well, that's what happens when you start trying to create your own detours on the way to your destination of your dreams. If God has said that that's the destination, don't start cutting your own path. Go in the way that he has asked you to go. Follow the action steps that he has given you. And if you've done that today and you found yourself off somewhere in the distance, you say, man, I just give up. I'm turning around. I'm going to turn this thing around. I'm mad now. I'm offended. Here's the thing. Whenever I have my GPS going and I tweak the route, You know what doesn't change? The destination. The only number that changes is how long it takes to get there. I'm still going to end up at that place. It just may be on a different time frame than I expected. Be patient and be in the presence and sit in this place of prayer and stay in the position that God has you in. All right. Did this help you guys today? Guys, the world cannot wait on us just sitting around dreaming only. That's really, really the point, the point I think of the message that I feel like God wanted to just share with our family today is, listen, guys, I know we got a church full of dreamers, but dreaming ain't enough. We got to go beyond dream. We got to become practitioners. We can't just have our head in the clouds all day. We got to have our feet on the dirt as well and say, man, we're ready to do the work. I'm dreaming with God, but I'm ready to get my hands dirty too. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to accomplish what God is dreaming about for our city. Anybody else with me? Well, let's stand together, please.